Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Swim podcast. Swim podcast. All right, swimmers, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 17 of the podcast, Someone Who Isn't Me. My guest on this one is Laura Jane Grace, singer and frontwoman for the band Against Me. And when the band was over in December, they were doing a bunch of UK dates. We also um, recorded a session at Maida Vale for my show, which was, a, which was brilliant. I hope you got to check that out. I'm sure somebody's ripped it by now, so it's probably on YouTube somewhere and you should have a listen. So anyway, after the session, I recorded this episode of the podcast with Laura and we spoke about the album Shapeshift With Me. We also spoke about her book, Tranny, Confessions of Punk Rock's Most Infamous Anarchist Sellout, which if you haven't read, you should definitely pick up because it's wicked. Um, So we spoke about all those things, also about being a parent, touring in a band, a little bit about some, you know, some mystical chit chat as well. I think it's a really good one. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I hope you do too. Check it out. This is Laura Jane Grace. Last time I spoke to you was when, just after the last record came out, wasn't it? Right, yeah. Uh-huh. That was such a... I had all these preconce- not preconceived ideas about what this new record was going to be like. I just, you know, I had real hope for it, which have all been met. <laughs> good, not, good. Not good. That you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, because that, the last record, as I said to you, when it came out, it was like, <coughs> I think it's... It's my favorite punk rock record in years and years and years. Thank you. Because of everything that's in it, and, and I think the songwriting is amazing. And it's not like the songwriting wasn't great before, because it always was, and that was the thing that I think that, that, that's so great about the band. It's so consistently been brilliant. But that, that record, because of everything that was on it, and the subject matter, and the way you were going through it very publicly, uh, it imbued it with so much power there's a definitely a difference with making that record than with previous records you know specifically like coming to terms with identity while writing songs as opposed to like you know even on the the record before white crosses of feeling like searching for identity you know or yeah specifically because you're like denying identity um yeah. looking in the wrong place so you know there's definitely like a difference in the songwriting and in the approach to songwriting yeah, because that, that's something I wanted to ask, because do you find that, that the whole creative process is a different thing now? And I don't mean that because of the you transitioning. I mean it in the sense that because now, whereas there would be, looking back in hindsight, they now feel like almost veiled references to things sure. that you were struggling with. It's... You know, every record's obviously going to be its own experience and takes yeah. place at a certain time and place in your life, so it's 
it's hard to judge them against each other in that way you know like with your first record you have your whole life to write your first record and then the second record's like you know notoriously referred to as like the sophomore slump right Mm. um and it's hard to judge with the most recent record specifically just because it was a real different experience because i was writing a book at the same time so that was like the first time ever making a record where there wasn't pressure on songwriting like I could have very easily have just occupied this whole year by just writing a book releasing a book and doing the publicity around a book it was like that that's very underselling it though as well (laughs) just writing a book just well you know what I mean like that could have that could have been my year and it would have been like okay cool you were still working you were still there everything um But I think the reason there was a new Against Me record was because I was doing that. And for the first time ever, like the pressure was off of songwriting. So that just became like the excuse in this way of like, okay, I've, you know, I've got something due right now. I should be working on this. My editor wants a couple chapters, but instead I'm going to pick up a guitar and I'm going to fuck around for a second and I'm going to like put that off and procrastinate. Um, And so much of writing a book was about reflecting on the past and thinking about things that had happened and how I felt about that. So consequently, writing a record then became like, I just want to think about how I feel right now. And then knowing, too, that there was like a certain amount of pressure or not pressure, but expectation where, you know, some people I definitely like not trying to pay attention to what people thought, but I was aware that some people were like, oh, what, is everything going to be trans this, trans that now? And then some people were even happy at the thought of like, oh, cool, everything will be trans this, trans that now. And my reaction was just kind of like, you know what, I just want to write dumb love songs. Like, I want to go, we're going to tour, I'm going to have crushes, I'm going to fall in love, have relationships, and I want to write songs about it. And I don't care what anybody thinks, I just want to do that. That's awesome, though. Yeah, it was it was great, and it like made it easy, you know. Yeah, and it's almost like writing your first record. You put your whole life to write it, and and also the the uh, the agenda for writing a, your first album is generally very different from the others because as soon as you're a band which has had a long career, it becomes a career, right? Right. So then there is that pressure in sure. that sense because then it's like I have a, a mortgage and I and I need to do this and I need to pay for that and blah 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 blah. blah. Sure. Or like you know with. Like our fourth record, the pressure was like, okay, it's the major label debut, you know? Or yeah. this, the the second major label record was like, oh no, this is our last major label record, this is the last shot type of deal. So again, it's like different pressures with everything yeah. you do. Um, and like the pressure with Transgender Dysphoria Blues was, there was still pressure, you know? But it yeah. was like a self-imposed pressure in a lot more ways. Yeah. Um, but this record was different. It was like pretty effortless for the most part, you know, and especially as a band too. I think it really sounds it as well. It feels like, I don't know, probably, but it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because everybody views art is one thing, like visual art is, is, unless it's very abstract, it's pretty much spelled out for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's here's the narrative. This is what this is about. This is, you know, you're, you're taking it in, but with, with music, it affects you because it, it depends on where you are when you first hear a song, it, what you're going through in your life. So, so you obviously then take on all, all this stuff and start interpreting music through your own. I don't even know what I'm saying. I've lost my track. Train of thought. <laughs> no, saying, but that's context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so that record for me, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, for me was it had so much with it that made it that had so much gravitas and you can really feel it and then this record it feels like 
it, it feels, you know, there's really dark moments here. I'm not saying it's like fucking happy, happy, joy, joy all the way through. Sure. But, but there's moments where it's just really beautiful and light. Yeah. I mean, that's reflective of the experience that was yeah. being had, you know, like, um, and, and this is the first record in a long time where there's like, literally like first takes that were recorded that are on there or like wrote the song played it three times and then hit record and there it is where like those moments to me are like the moments you really strive for where it feels like like okay that was like that was magic you know that like just happened and it was effortless and it just was captured yeah because that's what it is yeah i very much so believe that as you know before we started i think that's that's exactly what um writing music is and making art of any type is opening yourself up to things and, and, and letting things sort of make themselves aware to other people th- through you. That sounds really like pothead <laughs> talk, though, doesn't it? Yeah, Pretty but don't worry, I'm a pothead, so yeah, it's well, fine. <laughs> you know, I, I think people, a lot of people would probably, str- they, that, that sounds like a kind of kooky idea and probably struggle with it, but I, I, I that's how I think. Even if I was writing three minute chip of pop songs do you know what I mean it's still it still comes from somewhere right right and and that's that's you know a lot of people would um, take offense to that because it, a lot of people would be like no I wrote these songs and it's all because I'm a fucking genius and there, <laughs> there, there is the degree of that obviously because I think to be able to tune into those things and make those things happen and and to write a great pop song is a fucking huge achievement but do you think that's but, conscious or subconscious? Because most of the times, like for me, meaning with art doesn't reveal itself until after. Hmm. And oftentimes, like my first impression of the meaning will be wrong, and it'll be years or you know years later where I'm like, oh, or maybe that's just changing. It does meaning, change, you yeah. know. And maybe that I think is the sign of like a really good song is if it does survive and it changes with you as you grow and yeah. you get new meaning from it. If something's limited to just a time and a place, I feel like that's a sign of weakness of art, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. At least in my experiences. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. Do you, you find that then? Do you do you have songs now that um, that kind of reveal to you things that either initially may have missed or or you interpret it in a certain way, and now it's like, oh, that's... Sure, yeah. yeah. And, or, and you know, songs that remain relevant to you as you grow. Like, it's an amazing thing to have a song you wrote at 17 years old still be relevant or still feel relevant at 36. Yeah. And some of those songs are, like, you know, more um, direct in their reinterpretations. Like, for instance, the song Pints of Guinness Make You Strong. You know, like, I wrote that song about my grandparents, and my grandmother's name is Evelyn, and then I named my daughter Evelyn. And for me now, you know, that's a song that we played every single night pretty much as a band. Um, and in the past, every time we'd play it, I would think about my grandparents. But now when I play it, I think about my daughter, um, yeah. who, you know, if I'm on tour, chances are I'm not coming home to that night. Um, so it's it's strange how that works out. Yeah. That's a tough thing as well, isn't it, touring as a parent? It is, yeah. I, I, really, I really struggled with it. Yeah. Especially, like, um, when I had my son and he was very young because kids change so much especially in the early days it, it I, I would come back and i'd be like who's this guy yeah well you really <laughs> see those differences yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. and he probably was exactly the same right it's a trade-off you know for sure like yeah. it really like places more importance on things for me too where i'm like okay what am i doing here you know is this a waste of my time if so like 
it's it's more of a waste of my time than it used to be in the past yeah. when I was just wasting my own time anyways. Now it's wasting my time that I could be with my daughter if it is. Um, you know, the trade-off is that when I am home, like I'm home and I've been on tour now for like since September basically. Um, and I have all of January and half of February off, which is nice. So yeah. like I'll just be there every day and every day, you know, it's like such a complete polar switch of lifestyle where when I'm home, I wake up at six in the morning, get my daughter up, make her breakfast, take her to school. Yeah. I hang out at my studio until three and then it's time to go pick her up. And then we go back, we go to the library, you know, make dinner and mm. go to bed and do it all over again. Um, and then you go on tour and it's different. Uh, it's Somebody's nice. Somebody's waking you up. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, to. I gotta yeah. stay awake until 10. We're not playing till then. Uh, that's usually when I'm in bed. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, she's gotten to see the world though. Yeah. And she's already had the touring experience. And that may not be something that dawns on her yet, but I do think eventually she'll be appreciative of that and realize yeah. like not every kid has this experience, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, my son was exactly the same that um you know he was coming to festivals riding the bus and that was just the norm right right so and you know this is dave Grohl, you know <laughs> yeah and, and he's they're like, like yeah whatever big uh, deal yeah right <laughs> yeah. but he was stoked actually because he was like you played the devil in the tenacious <laughs> d video but that was what he was most excited about but um yeah and it's and it's now that he's he's realized but, and it wasn't like you know i don't think the kids that are brought up that way um, through good parenting, I think. I don't think they take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. But they suddenly have that moment and you see it where they, it dawns on them where they're like, oh, wait, this isn't this isn't how it is for everybody. Right, yeah. And that's, a, that's quite a beautiful thing. Sure. I think that's as like, uh, yeah, I think that might be like one kind of disconnect that I think they don't, that dawns on them to, later as a kid is like... Uh, the idea of like this is what you do for a job and how you make money to buy groceries right eventually yeah. every kid realizes that like money is a factor in your parents work and they make yeah. money from that so when your job doesn't necessarily seem like a job i think that maybe it takes them a little while while longer to put those dots together you know yeah yeah and so it's such a weird thing touring as well because it becomes so insular doesn't it do you, do you find it hard to decompress after touring I do, yeah. Do you, how, how long does it take you? Is it a few days? For sure. You know, I mean, mostly like usually like a week yeah. to get back into like a normal routine, you know. Um, it's just such a like, you go from a state of constant stimulation, you know, of like meeting new people every day, going to a new place every day and really like having a goal-oriented day um, mm -hmm. of, of the show. You're there to play a show, and good or bad, once you do the show, you've accomplished the goal for the day, you know? And then you take that away, and all of a sudden you're like at home, and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, where is everybody? No one wants to ask me questions today, <laughs> or like, you know? <laughs> I can call you up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's stark, you know, it's mm. bleak. Um, do, you, do you struggle with it? I do a little bit, but it's like, you know, it's strange where I feel like I've crossed the threshold of, uh, of turning back in that way where all of a sudden like your life just becomes that 24 hours, you know, seven days a week all the time of like, this is what I do. This is who I am, you know, like yeah. and on, or, on the road or off the road, it's still who I am. And it's just like a change in schedule that happens when you get off the road. But I still like, I, you know, a day after I'm off tour, 
as long as it's not on a weekend, if my daughter's in school, I still go straight into my studio. I pick up my guitar. Yeah. I practice songs. I practice guitar scales. I warm up my vocals 100%. Wow. Yeah. And it's just making sure you stay in that groove, you know? And yeah. I, a lot of that might be, too, because, like, at this point, like being gone all the time and being in a band I've had to make social sacrifices to where I have no personal life that it's always just that your band is your life you know Um, so maybe that has something to do with it too it's bizarre isn't it because most people think you know when people when people that aren't within it and aren't or or playing bands that even might not be touring bands Mm -hmm. they just think it's um it's all glamour and you're doing this and you've got so many friends and you've got you're seeing (laughs) the world and it's like you know invariably you could, you, you know, you could, without, if unless you make a conscious effort to it, you could do a world tour and see nothing other than a bus, a venue, and a hotel, if For you're lucky. For sure, yeah. And it, it's, it's such a weird thing, and it's easy to get trapped in that bubble. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's something I think about a lot, especially, like, uh, having toured for a while, of, like... <laughs> You know, a while, a while, like you know, twenty years. So we're touring, like coming to a place of realizing, okay, I need to be appreciative of going to these places and yeah. like feeling bad sometimes when you've been to a place multiple times but not seen anything really. You know, yeah. like I was thinking about that last night as I was falling to sleep. I was like, how many times have I stayed in this hotel? And what you know, like, have I ever done anything really touristy when I've been in London? And I was like, yeah. no, I don't think I have. You know, yeah. anything I've seen has been just like coincidence of like oh there's Buckingham Palace so we're (laughs) driving by right now on the way to do some press or something like that um but of wanting to be appreciative of places you know yeah I imagine that there's a ton of press now as well way is it is it more now it is yeah Uh uh-huh no it's it is what it is you know um I was actually I've been actually thinking about how I'm gonna break it to my publicist that I I kind of don't want to do press anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like just I need a break, you know, yeah. like for mental health reasons and just like for uh, I think it's a positive thing to like you know. Yeah, of course. It is a weird one, and I, and I do apologize because I realize I'm very much part of that. No, but I oh. like you, and I'm happy to talk with you. So it's yeah, all good. Thank you. But yeah. Conversations are also a different thing too than uh, than I, I guess it's like not even wanting to not do press is just like wanting to make sure it's worthwhile press you know like yeah. sometimes you're just like why am i talking to this person and what yeah. like everything you're asking me you can just google it you'll be able to find it <laughs> you know like yeah. write the interview yourself yeah it's funny i saw um saying of that i did actually look at a couple of interviews and, and there was a really funny thing that i saw you say about um like doing press in uh, Germany and, and, it, and that, oh, whole, Jesus. Th- yeah. that whole thing of like, I liked your last album. It was very good, but this one is shit. Yeah. And you're like, like Why that's not a question. Why did like, I do that? <laughs> I had that a bunch. I, I think it, it's obviously some kind of language difference. It's like a you cultural know? thing, I guess. Yeah, totally. And, and something's being lost in translation where you they hope. must, yeah, I really do hope. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, Sometimes it's literally just not a question. It's just like a not even thinly veiled insult. It's just yeah. an insult, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember this is funny. We were doing this interview, me and Adam, and it was like German press. And Adam was trying to tell a joke. And he's like, you know, he's like, there's this zoo I went to, and there was only one animal in the zoo. And it was a, just a dog. It was a shih tzu. And like, the, <laughs> the journalist is like, I've been to a zoo like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> totally lost humor on them. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so a bit more about the album because I think you know the thing is I don't know if it, if it, you're the same but probably not actually but when when I get an album I kind of have to have a few listens because the first listen is is literally like my analytical mind is 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 pulling everything apart even though I'm trying not to I'm trying to just enjoy it right you know yeah and um and it's only after a few listens where you can kind of shut that down a bit and and just enjoy it for what it is sure um I'm the same yeah yeah but I li- I I also like what just pulling song like s- songwriting apart in that sense or no you know i i just like i digest things in a way of like i get a record if i love the record i will just listen to it to death over and over and over until i have digested every part of it Mm. you know and then like i need to walk away from it and then i need something new and i need to move on Mm. and it's rare that i'll have an album that even if i love 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 the record that i go back too much after i've done that just because i'll listen to it to death like, literally like wrung everything out of it yeah and it's like okay wow. I'm done with that I've gotten what I want out of it I've like learned the trick of whatever it is that's yeah. doing it for me well that's know? what I mean that's what I that's what I was interested in because because you're a great songwriter I think the f- I was curious to see if you if you kind of dissect things a little bit and work out oh I love this song why do I love it sure sure totally yeah and it's like it takes you a little while to realize like is it the meaning of what they're saying that's hitting you is it like the vocal delivery is it the Mm. melody and the combination of the two or what is it that's hitting you about this song you know and it's always different yeah i was i was gonna say about the whole thing about so for me when i first listened to the record the first track i read it wrong so i didn't see it as provision right i was like provision so I was like, what's this about? And I'm, I'm like, I need to know what this is instantly. And I'm like this. And then... Um, Did I, it come up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And now, every time I've been to an airport, it's all I can think of. It's like free advertising. It's amazing. <laughs> Getting the body scanners on board, yeah. But that's a... It's, um, yeah, it's it's really powerful because it's such a... It's such a um, everything that it insinuates is so creepy. Right. Well, you know, it's 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 intentional too in in a lot of ways like um i realize that it's kind of like an odd song to start off with being that it has my friend who's japanese doing like a however many seconds long japanese talking intro yeah and then like it's the one song on the record that's like really directly in your face political but it's a song about an airport body scanner machine so the record was written on the road traveling touring so you're starting off in the airport and you're like disoriented um but then also knowing that like if there were any expectations of what the record would be that that intro would totally confuse everyone at first mm. and then like you'd have the fresh start after the song ends to go wherever you want it yeah did it feel like i mean you've said that you know obviously you were working on your book so therefore there was there was less pressure to make this um in in the same way that you've had before did that feel like a fresh start especially as because of that last record was almost like it, it was a fresh start right right yeah it, it did and it but it feel and it feels like in a way like detached from the other records i mean there it, it is which sorry which does uh shapeshift okay yeah how so um like almost in a rogue one type of way like it's still it's <laughs> still star wars hopefully this is a good thing i haven't seen the movie yet um no, me neither <laughs> i've got very high hopes though yeah 
it's still like in the canon, you know, but it's <laughs> it's like a different line of the story, you know. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why I've yeah, maybe that's why it feels diff- slightly different because that's how you view it. Right. Well, and it's, you know, it's it's the first record proper with Adam and Inge, you know, like yeah. um and the whole attitude behind it was about being open to collaboration, you know. Um two of the songs on the record I wrote with my friend Cody and I'd never branched outside of the band as far as collaborating with writing with anybody before. Um, even having my friend Machichko like sing on a song, you know, that was like just trying to get whoever yeah. wanted to contribute something into it, you know. And what? Why do you think that is now? Why? Why is it that you you can do that? Because the record before it was such a closed experience where I like absolutely needed full control of it, you know, yeah. for multiple reasons. But um, I, I wanted this to be different. I wanted to invite things in as opposed to like putting up defenses. Do you think it will be that way from now on? Though, do you think that that um transgender dysphoria blues was the was was that point now where where it's almost i don't want to say like laying out a manifesto because because sure do you know what i mean though yeah like it's like here is everything you know then you did the the rolling stone interview and, and all of a sudden that whole world blew up right, right? Mm-hmm. which i can't even imagine to be honest how much stress that was Right, I had a fucking nervous breakdown like a year and a half su- later. I'm I totally lost it because yeah. it, because all of a sudden it's like you're inadvertently taking on the mantle of 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 a whole group of people. Right, that that maybe didn't have so many figureheads before, and, and no one, you know. It was a lot of pressure. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Espe- yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about it the other day, and it's it just feels like um, to have something that you struggled with your entire life, and then get to a point where you're like, here here is everything, right? right. So it's you fully accepting everything and and, and 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 moving forward from that point, and all of a sudden it's like everyone's like, yes. You know, here's somebody in the public eye that that is that is saying exactly how we feel, but to have not been really part of that world. No, sure, I don't no, mean no, I don't mean that to accurate. sound like I'm being a dick. No, but that's but do you accurate. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like it was stepping into a situation where like all of a sudden you have the pressure to have everything figured out, especially because you're doing interviews and you're aware, regardless of whether you want to or not, be representative of other people. Yeah. But you're aware that it's representative of other people and that you know that you're 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 accepting something about yourself, but at the same time you can't possibly have it all figured out. You know. Yeah, of um, course. It was just like unrealistic in some ways to 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 carry on the way I was carrying on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was there a backlash against you from that um, community? Nah. Well, or was it was everybody? I I imagine I'd that I'd love to think that everybody's super supportive. Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, there were definitely, like, parallels that I was able to, like, realize between the punk scene and the trans community in ways, you know, kind of like the, it's more the internet crowd specifically, you know, Um, but then I I did definitely, like, receive some flack for the title of my book specifically, so, 
I mean, that is in what, what it is. In what sense? Because of the word tranny? Or... Yeah, because of the word tranny. Yeah, just like based on, on the title alone, I, I really recognize that some people wanted to like disassociate from me or like saw it as like a, a sellout move, you know? Um, which was like, it was easy to spot though. And it like having gone through it before, it was like, okay, I get what's happening here and I understand this. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't affect me the same way it did when I was like 24 or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really powerful, isn't it? Like, it's it's so funny how... It's not funny at all. But it's it's so weird how how a word can carry so much weight. And I'm, I'm all for the whole reclamation of words. Right. But you, are you using it in that way? Are you? Did you deliberately say, I'm calling the book this because I want this to be re- a word that we can reclaim? Or is it... Is not it, at all. No. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's a horrible word. Right, yeah, totally. But, but recognizing that there's power in the word to me is like automatically intriguing. Mm. Any word that someone's like, you can't use this word to me <laughs> is like, oh, well, that's an interesting word then, you know, like yeah. um, just as an artist, you know, and I don't like being dictated to in that way as an artist mm. in any way. Um, but uh, it was a word that like used to hold a lot of power over me. And so in like wanting to kind of break that power from the word, you know, that was part of it. Not in a reclaiming it as like, I want to be identified in that this way, just as like, I want to destroy the power this word has over yeah. me. That anytime anyone were to use it towards me now, I'm going to think of my book, you know, like that's yeah. that's it. And that's a different thing. And then, you know, the first time it was used towards me, was by another trans person and it wasn't in a derogatory way or anything like that it was just in a friendly joking way you know referring to me as a tranny and I was like it stunned me because I had been so ready for it to be said as an insult you know Hmm. that I was like how will I react to this I I need to prepare myself so I don't like immediately just like fucking punch somebody Hmm. um so I was like taken back by by that that happening and it's interesting too. Like I was, I did the panel a couple of weeks ago with Kate Bornstein. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's no. a trans author, okay. and she's she's way older than me. I don't mean that in like she's way older than me. She's just older than me, you <laughs> yeah. know, like by a couple of decades, and definitely part of a different wave of transgender people. Hmm. And we were being introduced to us, and we're standing in this hallway, and someone said something about the title of my book, and and how Kate doesn't have a have a problem with that word. And Kate was like, and neither does Laura, blah, 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 you know? And I was like, well, actually, like, I don't really like the word and I, I have, I do have a problem with it. And she was like, well, do you know the history of the word? And I was like, I guess I don't. And she's like, well, trans people invented that word, specifically Australian trans people. Trans, Australians have a tendency to shorten every word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah barbecue becomes Barbie. Transsexuals became trannies. Um, and, and so it was a word coined by trans people. And it's definitely turned into a word that's like become a hateful word, yeah. but it came from trans people. And so it was an interesting thing to like feel like you're kind of in the middle of two people, two sides where you have an older generation of trans people being like, this is our word, we invented this word, you can't tell me not to use this word, I've been using this word forever. And then you have the newer generation of trans people being like, you can never say this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. word i don't care if you're trans and saying this word just never say this word yeah and then you're in the middle like well i just want to call my book it <laughs> like, I, just, I don't know i see both sides i see the validity to what each of you are saying but yeah. Yeah, i don't know what do you do in that situation <laughs> how was it making a book because it's um it strikes me as being just such a an all-engrossing good I, I, I was gonna say grueling especially uh, um because I mean, the the book is, you know, it's really really open. It's the opposite of ego building. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> it's not like you come out on the other side feeling really good about yourself or like accomplished or like yes, I can't wait for people to read this. It was like feeling totally kind of deconstructed as a person at the yeah. end of it and kind of devastated in a way, especially because it's a memoir. You know, of looking at it and being like, okay, that's that was me you know that's the life I lived that was what happened and it took it just takes a lot out of you you know it like really I feel like I aged like at least a decade over the last year alone you know yeah well what was what was the schedule for writing because um, I, I got a, I got a really good book recently called daily rituals mm -hmm. and it um and it's everybody from I don't know like P.G. Woodhouse to Nicholas Tesla to like all these people that are either um, renowned scientists or authors or artists and it's just like a chapter and it will be they would rise at this time and they would sit. I love reading stuff like it's that. It's great. Yeah. I almost brought it for you, but I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> yeah, no, the, I've seen a couple of other similar things with okay. writers specifically where it breaks down like this was their drug they used yes. and this is when they were tended to be like most creative between these hours and yeah. this was their daily schedule. And I I used to like even try to emulate some authors with yeah. that stuff, you know. But um, but that's the thing, isn't it? Magic is one of those things, like or creativity, let's use that word. Yeah. It, it's you know it's so different for everybody right and it is really particular to you you yeah. can't just steal someone else's like style Shit. in that yeah. way yeah um although maybe like you can be like yeah speed worked for them speed will work for me no um but uh <laughs> like uh i i i've always find that i'm i'm most creative in the mornings or yeah. at, late at night before going to bed yeah um but it's a different kind of creativity a different kind of feeling with each um but a lot of this, because I had like my day job happening too, of being in a band and much of it was like done on tour, um, there was that. But the last like last year of it, this past year, you know, was mainly like working on it pretty much like, you know, wake up in the morning, take my daughter to school, drink a cup of coffee and just start working on it, you know, and work until it was time to pick her up. And we'd usually go to the library and there's like a nice children's area at the library where she has friends that she'll play with and I would work on it a little bit while she did that. And then yeah. we'd go back, make her dinner, she goes to bed and I'd work for another hour or two and, and then just go to sleep myself. So it was really just like every spare moment during the day. Was it something you fell into quite easily, writing? Because mm -hmm. you've always kept journals because there's, there's a lot of journal entries in there as well. Sure, yeah. Which tie in and they really, it makes the whole thing flow. 
Really well, well, honestly, like the book, uh, even the nar narrative parts are just pretty much from the journals where okay. you take a chapter from or a paragraph from the journal and figure out how to reword it so it flowed as narrative. Hmm. But it's still just directly from the journals pretty much. Um, in that way, like, unfortunately, a lot of the process wasn't very creative. It was more just transcribing and like... <laughs> you know rearranging yeah. words it wasn't like i need to come up with a thing here i need to come up with a a part or something just because yeah. it was you know it wasn't about remembering it was about so so you were going back through all these old journals yes and how was that i bet that was mildly traumatic it was again <laughs> depressing yeah, yeah traumatic depressing you know it's just there and mm. it's like that's your life and those so, are like page after page how long how long have you kept them for since i was eight Wow. I was like, uh, my father lived in Italy at the time. I was a military brat, and he had to do a training exercise in Germany, and I was going to be out of school for a little while. Yeah. Um, so my teacher gave me journaling as an assignment, told me to keep a journal on the trip. And it was a really, like, impactful trip. I was eight years old, and my parents took me to Dachau concentration camp. So at eight, trying wow. to understand, like, who the Nazis were, what fascism was, and what happened there, what the Holocaust was, was, like, hard to wrap my head around, you know? And then also my little my little brother got hit by a car. He was hit by a truck, like ran out into the street and was pinned underneath the wheels. He was three years old. His bones were really you know, like young bones, so they didn't break and he was fine. But nonetheless, like as an eight-year-old writing about these experiences, processing them, I didn't realize that's what I was doing, processing them, but I was. Hmm. And I got a really good grade on the journals when I came back and uh, just like kept going from there. I probably like, I lost pretty much. I still have that first journal, but like, Everything up until I was like 14 or 15, I lost just because I wasn't keeping for posterity. You know, I was just yeah. like throwing it away as I was going or whatever, moving, you know. Um, but I had everything from when I was like 15, 16 until now. So it was like, you know, it literally took me a year and a half to go through and transcribe everything myself. This is like, must be like crates and crates then. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that was part of like the impetus for wanting to do it even was like, I have all these boxes of journals that anytime I've moved, I've had to find a new place to <laughs> yeah. store yeah. and also like store in a way where to like be hopeful that whoever wouldn't stumble upon them, you know, mm. like a babysitter or something like that. Yeah. So it was like, well, e even if I want to keep them and I don't want to burn them, but like at least getting them out there would mean that no one could go there and like read something that would be damaging to me or like I don't want shared. I'll just go ahead and share it before anyone can take that away from me. Yeah. You know? I kept one when I, I, when I must have been probably about 11, 12, and I, and I hid it, um, and it was under a, so like I, I worked out that I could take a drawer out of my chest of drawers, and like underneath I could put it in, and then you'd feed the drawer back in, Right. and, it, and I went away, I think I went to stay with a relative for like a weekend or, or maybe a week, and I got back. And it was gone, and um, <laughs> and um, I mean, you know, panic, <laughs> of course, yeah. And that that was, and then I, I got like a, a talking to, or not really, like an <laughs> awkward. Uh, you need to speak to him. Uh, one of those, which yeah. was horrendous, and I think that was the reason why I stopped keeping them. <laughs> See, but, I had the habit too of doing like uh. Excuse just me. from writing a lot while traveling and also knowing that I was like leaving these journals in my bunk and stuff like that as I was going on the bus like I would sometimes write really outlandish untrue things like tonight I'm going to kill everyone on the bus just in case like someone read it you know to make sure yeah. that they wouldn't read it again um, so it was fun going through and like seeing those moments you know? yeah and you're gonna burn them 
Yeah. I was advised uh, by lawyers at Hachette to hold on to them for a period of time. So I was like, okay, I'll hold on to them. Just because, like, they want to be able to make sure that, like, if for any reason someone would be like, are they really from journals, that you can produce the journal and be like, yes, here it is in writing in the journal. So I've I've held on to the journals for the time being. Wow. I also had the realization, having having the intention to burn them, I was like, wait, I fucking live in an apartment that doesn't have a fireplace where I can burn (laughs) these journals. But then you can make more of a thing of it and actually make it a ritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do something with it. Journal burning party. (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it's um yeah but you could you could do do you paint i don't i you know i used to do like uh cut and paste stuff you know like type of artwork yeah but i never have had like a real ability for drawing or like or painting or anything like that you know because i've burnt without going into stuff too much i've i've painted pictures of of people (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's really horrible. Painted pictures of people and then burnt them and then used the ash and mixed with other paint and made other paintings. Wow. Which sounds crazy. No, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So I was just curious because, yeah, you could, I mean, you could make something with them. Yeah. That's I get this. Idea. I have this um, lady that writes to me at work mm-hmm. and um, I'll get one, maybe two letters a week and um, I'll show you some pictures and, and it's, She's got real mental health issues, she, mm-hmm. and um, but I've I've kept them all because I think I'm gonna make a huge collage and then I want to paint a picture of her on the top. But um, yeah, I think that there's there's something you could make out of them that would be quite magical. Yeah, yeah, so, I I've been for like maybe it was kind of inspired by the book and I don't even realize it. But for the past couple of years, I've been in a process of like getting rid of everything, hmm. like not wanting to have attachments in yeah. any way, like of a physical kind. And I'm not sure when I'll feel like that's enough to where I can start to regain things again. Yeah. You know, we're talking about like a desk or a rug and stuff like that, but like really wanting to minimize everything. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's related to journaling or like putting it all together in the book of like leaving the past behind and starting a new chapter. Yeah. But I feel like I'm in this like perpetual state of waiting for the past couple of years for for that next thing to happen and for to be able to move forward, you know? Yeah. Um that now that the book's out and it's only been out like less than a month, you know, like I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out what the next thing is or like where to where does life go from here, you yeah. know? But then, yeah, but then you've also collated all these things and and kind of decanted it almost into the book. So it's almost like they're now, yeah, you can move away from those now because you've taken all the parts that you want, maybe. Sure. You is it has it um started a is is this something you want to do much more of now writing then? I do. Yeah. But but what what do you think? Do you in a in a biographical sense more of 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 that or i wish i were good at fiction you know um Mm. i know like people say that no one actually writes fiction anyways it's just like the truth kind of twisted around and maybe i just need to learn to do that better yeah um but you know like 
before doing the book or anything like that, I was always taking whatever writing opportunities came my way that had nothing to do with songwriting or whatever. Like for a while I was writing record reviews for Relics Magazine. Um, anytime some kind of like keep a tour journal assignment came, like I, I would jump at the chance, you know, and for a while I was like doing a blog that was just like random writing stuff yeah. just because I wanted to develop that ability. And maybe that's a little bit of like thinking to the future of like, I won't always be able to get up on stage and sing in a band, you know, and I need mm. to do something once my hearing's gone that you know, like is still artistic and has like something to it like that. But I've always, I've always wanted that, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Have you thought about that then? What do you mean? In the sense of, of like, what am I going to do when, when my hearing's gone or whatever? I have. Yeah. No, I have for sure. Or not even like hearing specifically, but like I know when, you you're, yeah. when your body can't take it anymore, when I can't tour anymore or whatever, like, or if my band breaks up or like, you know, but the then, next chapter. Yeah, I get that. And I, and I know people in other bands that I've spoken to that have said sort of similar kinds of stuff and like, oh, I can't be, you know, the, especially bands that are like, I don't know, like Dillinger, for example, mm -hmm. when I spoke to Ben, he was like, you know, I'm not going to be, I can't keep doing this. I actually can't keep doing this physically. But they're one but, of the most physically fit bands anyways, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but then it's it's like, it's not like you're ever going to stop writing songs, are you? Sure. No, I, I don't intend to, I don't plan on it. You know, I want to be able to keep doing this for forever. Of um, course. So, I don't so, know. I don't know what it is. It's just like a... It's the same with like, you know, I've been taking like producing gigs for bands the yeah. past couple of years. I guess it's like a, a little bit of too of is it, it feeling like the more you branch out and try different things, the better it makes you at this other thing, you know, mm. like, and that was yeah. what journaling was for me always too, or like part of the reason I really kept at it. You know, it wasn't just getting a good grade when I was on an assignment when I was eight years old. It was that I could only write lyrics for so much time a day and I wanted to have writing habits like I'd read of other writers. Mm. So I needed some other form of writing to be able to occupy my time. So it became like, just write down the mundane fucking things you did today. Like woke up, made breakfast, did this, did that, good day, end, you know? Yeah. Or sometimes it was even just like writing something over and over and over again, just like to be writing, to be physically in the act of writing was always important to me. That's interesting because do you think that then that um yeah because then that that affects what what you're taking for for songwriting for example and sure mhm mm even if it yeah but that that's interesting about the actual act of physically writing not even what you're writing about just a pen on a paper and the strokes and the movement of it yeah huh what in in a in a kind of hypnotic kind of trance like way sure mean? yeah i mean again like you know, um, even uh, sometimes not having anything to say. Like I always had a couple fail safes of like, okay, if I have nothing to say, I will just like, I'm, I'm an atheist, you know, like I don't, I'm, I'm not a Christian in any ways, but like the serenity prayer is something that I was always drawn to. Mm. And I very much also believe that like prayer is, is basically just like spell casting anyways, of right? Course. So like writing the serenity prayer over and over and over again for just pages and pages and pages of like, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the thing I can't, things I can and the wisdom to know the difference over and over and over again when I was like going through a hard place in life or whatever, yeah. I always found to be really therapeutic and really good. Yeah, wow. To say that you're not, um, not a religious person, but but you're definitely a very spiritual person, right? I am, yes. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that comes from being an artist. And, and I think that those two things definitely go hand in hand. Sure. And I also feel like that I've experienced moments on stage that are definitely like different than your average moment in life. Of where you're like transcendent moments Tell where me. like time moves at a different pace yes. and you can just you have a different state of awareness mm. you know and it's like I tried to write about that a little bit in the book of like just but it's hard to capture in writing mm. you know of like your body is absolutely pushed to its physical limit you know you're breathing as hard as you can sweat pouring out of every pore in your body and like surrounded by a deafening wall of sound and like faces bodies around you it's like just it's it's a it's like the closest church i'll ever be you know or, mm. or, or closest to church that i'd ever like to experience in a good in a good way um yeah i don't know yeah and i think that in a performance sense like that when when you're making music with other people and it and it it's almost like there's a circuit and then there's the circuit of the audience as well sure which again sounds a little but no it's, but it's absolutely 100 true. true i think you know there, there is the energy is a palpable thing and, and it does yeah things can change right and i definitely like you recognize that difference especially if you have this experience of playing with multiple different people in your own band hmm. you know of being like this is the connection I had with this drummer. This is the connection I had with this drummer. And for me, it's always about the connection with the drummer mm. um, and what, where it goes from there and like the way you can react to that. And I've had relationships where it's like 100% psychic, where they can tell what you want and you can tell what they want yeah. and you don't have to communicate anything verbally. You just know where to go with the song. And then I've had a relationships too where it's like, oh, well, this is shit. You know, like this sucks. Like we can't do anything really with each other. It's really more about like spelling it out of like play this beat here, you know? And I don't like that. I want it to be a, like a, a transcendent experience. You yeah. Know? And is when those moments have happened where it has been like this isn't hap this is just not working. Have, uh, has everybody sort of realised that and gone okay? Or, or do you, have you had moments like have you struggled through? Yeah, there's definitely been times where you struggle through where you're yeah. like okay, this is what we're doing, you know, and mm. and it's good enough for now. Um, but at the same time, those setups like. I feel like the audience gets that they can pick up to it you know up on it you know even if it's like the same on paper where every part was still kind of played the same and should sound like the same song and yeah. it does sound like the same song but it's not you know like there's something missing and that's the like un unhearable part or on this unseeable part yeah I had I had an interesting conversation with um, Scott from Neurosis I've said about this a couple of times actually on, on the podcast where he he was saying that when they were right because they felt like one of those bands where I could go straight in on that sort of stuff mm -hmm. and he said that um, when they were writing music and everybody was perfectly in tune with it and each other there was more than the sum of the band members voices within the room that's a great way to put it yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and um I think people, even if people don't want to acknowledge those sort of things because they think it sounds pothead or or kooky and, and like, I don't know, right. hippie or whatever, however they want to view it, you can palpably tell the bands that have that though, right? Right. Yes. And And I think that's why bands stand out from other bands because because there is this extra component and an extra... Um, um, 
there's something mystical going on right. is, is the best way of putting it, I guess, and the easiest way of saying it. Totally. And that's why, like, you know, I really, I've talked a little bit about this before, but, like, I really think that, like, modern recording fucks with that, where, you know, with, like, Pro Tools recording yeah. of whatever it is you can't hear that's in a recording, if you're cutting it up and putting it together in different pieces, that thing that your body can still hear and process, even if you, you can't tell you're hearing it, you're aware that it's like mismatched or disjointed and yeah, something is not, not connecting. Yeah. So even if on paper it's like, yep, stayed on beat, all the guitars are in tune, sounds good. But that thing that's like unrecognizable is, uh, is, is, is destroyed. I never thought of it like that. That's really true. That's why a lot of that... Being cautious is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's why a lot of things that are worked in that way can feel soulless. Yes. Because there isn't that flowing through it. I never thought... I never looked at it like that. That's so true. Yeah. Because if you're going to... You know, if it, if it is a thread that runs through something, in that, if you imagine it to be that... And then you start cutting that thread up and moving it around and sticking bits of the same thing over the top of itself. Right. Yeah. And you're never lo- you're like you can't even pay attention to if that thread is lining up with the other thread. Yeah, because you're just it's lining an unseen it up. thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's just blowing my mind a little bit because I never thought of it like that. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Yeah. Why a lot of stuff does feel soulless. I I always I I think it is you know. Huh. That's a great point. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> I kind of wish I could just... <laughs> um, Me too. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so on that note, uh-huh. um, you, if you don't want to talk about it, then fine. But, right, you smoke weed, right? I do, yeah. And, and there have been times where I know that you've said, like, growing up in Florida, that drugs were pretty rampant. Yes. So... Have you found that um, certain ones, this is, uh, I shouldn't really, I don't know. I'm just curious. Have you found that certain ones. Certain drugs? Or yeah. Certain, yeah. Uh-huh. Actually facilitate those moments that feel magical. I do. I mean, but I'm not necessarily sure the reasoning for that. Uh, I've never found like cocaine or anything like that to be something that facilitates that. Yeah. Um, alcohol too. I, although alcohol sometimes like with the physical show experience can can doesn't hinder it I'm not sure if it necessarily like is a necessary part but it doesn't take away from it it almost removes a few like there's less inhibition I guess exactly yeah but what I like about smoking weed specifically is that it it can give you an immediate scene change and oftentimes like with being in a band uh, you need that like it's if this were like you know an hour before a show or something like that that we were talking right now Mm. you know once we were done i'd need an immediate mind change to get into okay now i gotta do this and sometimes it's hard to do that you know and and so sometimes if there's like that hour window to be creative during the day if i smoke weed then it like there's immediate reset button and i can focus on the thing i need to do and then i can go on to the next thing and maybe some of that too is like you know uh is dealing with anxiety issues, you know, mm. and dealing with whatever mental issues. Um, b- having been told by therapists before that, like, oh, you need to be on like, 
you need to be on serious drugs. You need to be on antidepressants. You need to be on this or that because of whatever you're dealing with. And I've always refused. And yeah. like finding that smoking weed seems like such a better alternative to pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Um, I don't see the damage in that. I don't see the wrong in that, you know? Mm. Um, and and with this record, you know, like with the last record, that was a big part of it was like, you know, we are all spread out as a band. So we made the record in Michigan where Mark, our front of house person and tour manager lives and has his studio. So you sleep there, you know, there's, there's lodging for the bands. So waking up in the morning and it's like, you know, maybe it's February and there's snow outside everywhere and you're in the middle of the woods. You wake up, you have a cup of coffee, smoke a joint, write a song then you'll pick up your guitar and just start playing and record the song right then and there yeah. like those were moments that it's not like they're foggy I can still remember everything single thing about them but they were really like for me creatively facilitated by getting stoned first thing you yeah it must be a liberating way of working as well because in, in a in an age where where people tend to overthink everything mm -hmm. and and I don't know how you are but like when writing especially so you you write songs and then prior to this record would be here is the song here's what you do here's your part this is the baseline i want you to do this i want you to play this drum beat right is that for the most part for yeah most part. It, it felt like it was like with the band it progressively became that more and more and more each record was that it like got to be that way um why do you think why do you think that is some of it was like uh was it you, do you think? Yeah, totally. A lot of it was me wanting that kind of control. Mm. Some of it was like um, a lack of motivation on other band members' parts, you know, like in just that the relationship was burnt out. And so mm. they're just showing up because they got to show up, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but like, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a real specific vision for something, no, I, I, you know? Yeah. And sometimes like that's the <laughs> that way it is. That would have been that in an three way. Wow, you sound really power mad. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean it like that. You must do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, sometimes you just have this vision for I want yeah, it to sound this way. Of course. But like also with, you know, with Transgender Dysphoria Blues, like I played bass on those songs. Yeah. Um, except for the songs that Fat Mike played bass on. And he did come up with his own parts on that. You know, like the, those are his parts, his ideas. Uh, but this record again i just wanted to be different i wanted it to be collaborative in that way you yeah know? so do you think that now so how do you think that will affect things moving forward then do you think you now you'll take elements of that on board or, or what do you i mean it's, it's too early days to say i guess right no well I mean, I like, when it comes down to it, I'm never going to be ha like comfortable with the idea of anyone else writing lyrics in the band. Oh, of like, course. It's just, yeah, I can imagine that would be... Yeah, uh, it, it like has to be my voice and my thing that's happening. You know, it's a little too late in the game to like hand over the reins in that yeah. way to someone else. Um, but if, J if James wanted to write a song, he can write a song. and he can, or As many songs as he want, and we'll put them on the record, yes, and I'd be happy to play them. Um, but... Uh, I don't know like I don't think at this point having had this experience now that it can go back to the other way just like from a, the way the four of us work now mm. if we aren't all equally contributing and present in the room I don't think it'll work it just like kind of has to have that engagement just because everyone is the way they are well that's great though isn't it it is yeah and it, it, I think it's really like arriving in a place where everyone's on the same page like everyone 
is doing what like everyone knows why everyone else is doing what they're doing it's not like a why are you here or like are you planning to cut and run in a second you know or like do you have these other career ambitions like everyone is a lifelong musician everyone has been in other bands they've like all been through the major label experience like everyone's had that same thing and and knows why they're there in a good way does it feel like a long time coming that you've got to that point though it does i mean do you look back on it now and look at it that way I, I do, yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like that, that that was what we were working for, or I was working for, me and James were working for, or like, I don't know. It, it also like, I don't know, I don't want to diminish like no. other incarnations of the band in any way, because no, like they were all important in their own ways. But it felt like each one kind of met its limit of like, okay, this is how far this can go. Mm. And and I think oftentimes like, well, that's what ends bands is like you reach this point of like, well, this is what we can do. This is like the extent of our musical abilities. So it's in a way it's like cheating of like pushing what you can do musically by just changing out players. Yeah. You know, like, okay, yeah. now we can do totally different things. Not because we've learned different things, but because we are different people. Um, but that's, yeah. a, I don't know, it's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's an hour. Cool. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I mean. (laughs) I appreciate it. It's been cool talking to you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think we're good, right? Yeah. for Laura for taking the time out to record that episode also thanks to Emma for helping facilitate that and make that happen and again also thank you to the rest of Against Me and crew because whilst we were recording that episode if it feels like it finishes fairly abruptly I don't think it did it 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 sort of reached like a good point to conclude but Laura's phone started blowing up because the rest of the band and crew were all waiting in the hotel lobby to go and eat so uh, apologies for that if you don't have the new Against Me album, Shapeshift With Me, that's a terrible thing because it came out in September and it's wicked, so you should own it by now. Also, um, Laura's book, Tranny, Confessions of Punk Rock's Most Infamous Anarchist Sellout is out now as well. You should definitely pick it up because it's a brilliant read and I really enjoyed it, so I think you would as well. If you get a minute after listening to this podcast, you could go to iTunes if you want and leave a nice five-star rating and a, and a short review that would be brilliant because it does actually make a difference and I'd really appreciate it. Um, The next episode of Someone Who Isn't Me is going to be with Dan Searle of the band Architects and we're going to record that next week actually. So it might be up a lot sooner than some of these have taken because I know know the gaps between the episodes takes forever. That's partially because I've got a lot going on and also because... I made the stupid rule of painting a portrait of each person um, who is on the podcast. And that takes a minute. So, yeah, I apologize. But the next one with Dan Sell should be up quite. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I soon.
All right, thanks for listening again. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>